Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. And I'm Ron. This is season two, episode three of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, where we will be reading through episode, uh, chapters seven, eight, and nine. Uh, if this is your first time listening to Death Readers, this is the podcast where Rob and I read through the Harry Potter series, which is a book series that I've never read, but Rob has read many times. Many, many times. And, uh, you know, uh, as old as I am now, 31, it is, uh, you know, we thought it might be Happy interesting. Birthday. Oh, it's been a while ago. But it's, it, uh, we thought it could be fun to do a, a show about uh, someone reading this for the first time. All right. When we last left Harry, he had gotten to school and nothing really of note had happened. It was all still kind of well, placements. Well, it was, it was all that same sort of, you know... Harry Potter routine. It was, you know, waking up in in, in England and then having to suffer, suffer through the, the Dursleys and sure. then getting to Hogwarts and then starting being at Hogwarts just a little. I mean, I feel like at the end of that last episode, I guess we did get a little bit more than that. We did actually get into Hogwarts because we talked about meeting Colin. We talked about, you know, interacting with some of the professors for the first time and their the trouble with the car. So Gilderoy Lockhart. Gilderoy Lockhart, yeah. They're, so they're there. Sure. They're they're fully there now. But I nothing think. I would consider plot-wise really happened. It was still just, what, six chapters of setting the stage. Yeah, we really only have the introduction of Dobby as, that's the, right. as okay. the only thing that's really plot-related. And that's, to me, it's important. But I, I, if my memory of the movie is that Dobby's not necessarily essential to the plot of the chamber, necessarily. Right. But he is... He's, he is, he's the... House elf. <laughs> He's the house elf with the mostest. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you were searching for. I don't either. Okay. <laughs> Instigator, um, maybe. Ah, uh, sort of. Not he. The pebble that begins the avalanche. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why it didn't come to me. It was nothing. Oh, shit. Wow. All right. So we start this podcast with. Chapter 7, Mudbloods and Murmurs. Right. My first note was, uh-oh, Quidditch practice. <laughs> okay, I, I think I have a note before that. Okay. Because I do want to get to that idea. Okay. But once again, this one, this chapter starts out with Harry's a fucking dick to Colin. He's such a dick to Colin. Colin just wants to be Harry's friend and be like, Harry, you're cool. I think you're cool. You do cool things. Can we just... Can I just be around you and talk to you about things? Like... I don't know. I I, I, under, I can see how Harry Potter would find that irritating, but also he sucks. You ever had that little brother that just glommed on to you? I was the little brother, so of course I'm going to relate to Colin. Oh. Like, so no. Because when they just followed you around and idolized you and just wanted to know everything they were doing, like, get the fuck away from me. David, I'm talking to you. Or you could have said, wow, look at me. I'm a hero in this boy's eyes. I was already a hero in my eyes. Yeah, but to be the hero in two eyes is more than one eye. It's more work. No, you just be no. It's it's even less responsibility. All you do is be yourself, and they will love you. And if they if they challenge you on anything, you have the right to be like, "Hey, you love me. <laughs> you can't you can't be disappointed in me. I'm your hero, goddammit. it." From the outside looking in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how you uh, that's how you get him, man. Anyway, so he should have done that with Colin. <laughs> so Colin, he's a dick to him. Anyway, I uh, yeah, I find myself in this just with this urge to like scold Harry mm -hmm. and just be like be nice to this kid be nice to this kid he's just a nice kid what's wrong with you man you guys are really similar just leave him alone and he's you know he doesn't no I, I think he, does, he snaps at him at some point in these oh a, a lot of he snaps at Colin a lot shut up Colin or so annoying. go away Colin but uh, Colin doesn't take the hint man well he Colin's better than that I will say, uh, it, it occurred to me again, just the, um, the talking about how expensive Malfoy's broom is, how the rules were bent for Harry's broom, and how where did that money come from? How do they justify that? How do they justify not playing favorites? I mean, they kept him in the Muggle world so he wouldn't get a swelled head, and yet he gets to school, and the first thing he gets is special treatment, just out the gate. Well, maybe that's why... I mean, that's part of why she wanted to give Malfoy all this extra special treatment is to be like, oh, maybe she realized, like, oh, I kind of made Harry, like, I kind of put Harry in a position to be kind of like a Slytherin in a lot of these ways. And it might it might read like he's privileged, he's, you know, uh, entitled. 
And I'm sorry. I thought you meant she McGonagall. No, she, she rolling. Right, yeah. Right. Um, so she she writes that in for him and the, give him something cool to get him in, and then realizes later like, oh shit, it makes him elitist. It makes him makes him lame. Mm-hmm. So just top that by giving by doing the same thing but seven times over to right. Malfoy. Um, but I think your question about like who's Again, it's these books. It rules mean nothing. True. They, they really don't. It, it's almost like in the way she writes these, this story, the rules are there only as a matter of convenience to propel plot. They have nothing to do with the way the world actually works in these stories. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as she needs a law to be broken, she just snaps it and breaks it. Right. So, I mean, no wonder, like, when you think about it, how often is Harry and his friends, or how often are Harry and his friends doing something reckless, dangerous, potentially deadly? Mm-hmm. And... The worst, I mean, well, they get they get pretty bad punishment in the later stories. But in this one, the worst thing they get is like, you know, oh, you have to help a guy sign his fan mail and clean some trophies. Right. I guess that would be lame. But like. But we're not to detention yet. We're still. Still at Quidditch. Still at Quidditch practice. Fortunately, practice. we didn't have to deal too much with that. Well, so really the, the point I want to make about the uh, Nimbus 2001s that Draco gets from his father to give to the rest of the Slytherin team is, is that because of that moment, because of that gift, Draco kind of becomes my hero because he saves me from a chapter of Quidditch. <laughs> Because instead of a chapter of Quidditch and practice and all the boring shit that is that goes along with that, uh, Draco shows up and explodes the possibility of a Quidditch chapter <laughs> and makes a fight and makes this awesome moment where Ron has the slug spell mm. and which is one of the best moments in the film. It's I I I like I love every time she wrote it, everything she he coughed squelchily into the basin. Yeah. Uh, Loudly over the thuds of more slugs hitting the base. It's just I'm just like oh oh it's, it's great. really yeah really great. Or like when Ron tries to talk and then in between words or sentences he he just gurgles up another slug. Yeah, and it's the poor kid. The only thing I really wish was in the book because it's in the movie is the line "eat slugs." I mm-hmm. think is the the line Ron says to Draco when he he doesn't say that in there. No, it's not in the story. He doesn't actually say eat no, slugs because he does earlier. It's foreshadowing. Yes, he He's says going to and he yeah, stopped. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, that was in the first book, right? When they're on the train. Doesn't he say, eat slugs to Malfoy, and then they, like, Hermione stops him or something? Maybe. I think there is a, a, an There's earlier... There's some foreshadowing. Yeah, line of that. before this, whether it's this book or the other, but you're right. It's not here. No. A little bit... Lots of, lots of foreshadowing in these chapters. So much foreshadowing. I just... Uh, oh, well... H- Hagrid saying, I expect Lucius Malfoy to come marching up to the castle, and he comes marching later in the book. The special awards trophy that Ron vomits all over. That comes into play later. And the, I think the only other note I have for this chapter is the basilisk's first words are just terrifying for a children's book. Was that this chapter? I thought so. My Bloods and Murmurs. That's the Murmurs. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, the... the I'll talk... Yeah, I have well, some, we I have some notes about the basilisk later, or the, the Murmurs later. Right, right, right. Um, but... The uh, one note I actually have that I think is interesting about this chapter is that it's, uh, she kind of, she kind of tells and doesn't show this, the thing about Hagrid's umbrella. There's a moment where she, where Harry, like, when they're at Hagrid's cottage and and they're looking at the pumpkins Mm -hmm. and he sort of sheepishly admits that he's, he's given the pumpkin some help to get big. Right. And... Harry looks around and sees his pink umbrella that's leaning against the cottage or something. And Harry just straight up says, I think Hagrid's got a wand in the shaft of that umbrella. Probably because something happened to him in year three where he got expelled. He'll never tell me what it is. But I know he got kicked out, but he still sticks around and is banned from using magic. But I think he's got that. I think he's got a wand. And it's like, okay, that's all true it's like it is it's a tricky bit of of recap and foreshadowing and explanation of what's going on all at once and it comes off clunky it comes but it's also like a character's inner monologue mm-hmm. it's not it's not something he's ever been he's being told by someone he's just like i'm just gonna jump to the end of this mystery and the just, inner inner monologue version of as we all know right it's it's inner exposition it's right. bizarre but i i mean it's 
it's nice to have it like out and out just acknowledge and then again maybe we're supposed to as readers remember that that's what Hagrid has when he meets in the first book when he uh, goes to find the Dursleys in their weird cottage that they escape to or like when the very first chapter where he drops Harry off at the house I, maybe he has it then I don't remember if he has it in those scenes but those are the times when I imagine he could or would have had it in the story I think it was only picking him up on the rock, okay. lighting the fire. <clears throat> okay. Um, I mean, clearly something is magical about the umbrella because he gave Dudley a tail. Hagrid did? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that wow. The whole... Oh, yeah. I thought I could remember who did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, but you're right. Uh, other stuff, in this, I have here in my notes that there's lots of memorable scenes in this chapter. Lots of stuff that's included in the film. Like, we, you know, uh, we get the first... Uh, snake speak we get the parcel tongue mm-hmm. um first little bit we of that it's that yet we don't know but it's but we but it is that sure. um we get the first use of the word mudblood mm-hmm. we get the explanation of why that's awful how do you feel about the way it was used well just mudblood in general and then how it's been written about what, what was it been written about well i mean you haven't you've only seen it in the movies oh oh um, so far i mean like i i, I, I just this my note I, here is that I feel like the, on that is that in the film, I feel like it's much more powerful about how horrible it is, at least in this introduction, because Hermione already knows what it means. I know, that's bullshit, though. She wasn't raised with that. But why wouldn't she figure it out? She she's would already, figure it out. She's already spent she a year She would have re- read about it, but I feel like she would have been like, meh, it means nothing no, to see, me. No, I, see, I like her knowing about it mm-hmm. in the movies because it's, it sort of implies that she's been called that before. This isn't her first time being having someone be bigoted towards her. And so she's already gone through that initial pain. She so was treated like sh- by shit by Harry and Ron in the first book. So it wouldn't. Meanwhile, she could right. have been yeah. There's plenty of by other people. I guess that makes sense. And and so that that like pain that she has in that scene in the films really it's more emotional to me than her being like in this one she's just kind of like oh I guess I've just learned about this I get oh you're telling me it's bad I guess I'll feel bad now mm-hmm. but like to see it's so much more powerful that for the character who have already gone through an experience where they were called the name made to feel bad had to live with it and then now is having that wound reopened because that's what happens with slurs like that's how that works and why it's so painful is because it happens you're confused you don't understand why these people are being upset with you or mean to you because of some sort of difference that seems insignificant or invisible to you but they're telling you it's important and that you are worse than them because it's different you have to live with that and then Every time it comes up, you get hit with a reminder of that first feeling and then all the other information you learn about it for the rest of your life and all the bigger picture implications and everything. So, like, that's absent. That entire uh, gravitas of that moment's absent in the book, but they nail it in the movie. So, I gotta say, the movie, is, the movie did a better job. Okay. That, those are really, really fantastic points I had not considered at all. Which brings us finally to the chapter I was excited to reread, The Death Day Party. Chapter 8, The Death Day Party. What did you think of The Death Day Party? Well, before that, I mean, there's other things that happened before that. So what do you think of the chapter of The Death Day Party before we get to the I've, Death Day Party? I've got two pages of notes on this oh, chapter because I, uh, excellent. I liked it. Um, I, there, there's so many little touches, so many... Um, so this is the chapter you were alluding to last yes. episode about the one that you wished was in the movie because yes. you enjoyed it. I, I enjoy it and it's, it's just such a... It, it's the first real departure. Yeah. I feel and where the books and the movies besides the gnomes yeah I mean that's that's, that's just whimsy I think that's the first actual like you could argue scene that doesn't exist in the, I could, in the I'm films I'm not an argumentative person <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would argue <laughs> um there, there's a lot of uh, a lot more foreshadowing little touches every, every time Jenny is mentioned she's she looking, never talks she never talks but she's she's looking pale Sure. She's distressed by things that are happening, and sure. in retrospect, you're like, "Oh, there are other reasons for this. There are depths." Yeah. She's she's looking pale because she's being ginger. Sure. That's oh, what, not yeah. that. No, that's oh. not. What, we can go for that for now. <laughs> um, I liked I liked uh, the smell of fried fish as a description of Filch's office. Hmm. But um, what what do you have? Well, just on that one more note about uh, Ginny is that moment where Ron's trying to console her about. Mrs. Norris mm-hmm. and she just like isn't she's not taking it like she's not accepting any of the sympathy That's or the like next chapter. oh it's in the next one yeah. but it, it speaks to what you said about her, oh, yeah. her characterization in these chapters is that again she's not she doesn't have any lines it seems I can't think of one 
but she has all these reactions, all this like emotion that you see through her face. Um, well, she and she's feeling directly responsible for Mrs. Norris. That's why she's freaking out about it. Why she feel directly responsible? Because we don't know yet. We don't know yet. Oh, okay, there you go. Okay. Um, the uh, do you not remember why she feels directly responsible? Not entirely. This movie's plot. This story's plot is is hard for me to remember. Somebody has to be doing all the physical things. Oh, that's right. And, and she has somebody, the diary. That somebody's her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to spill it out then I will um, read what you've spelled. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, though, like, it's a good thing for you to bring up now because I also have trouble remembering what Quirrell does in the first book. Oh, okay. Because it's, it's because those characters' actions and Voldemort's actions are the same. Right. But it's, it's hard to visualize that where I am right now. She is currently Voldemort's emissary on Earth. Puppet. Right. Yeah. So... Um, All the shit that's happened is literally well, her. Really, most of this chapter is about the headless hunt and the party. So, like, uh, well, well, there, no, there's a there's a quick visit to Filch's office, which is kind of important. In the beginning, I feel like that's not before the head. Like we we talked. It's before the hunt because it's because... not before he, uh, nearly headless Nick shows up though. Okay, so nearly headless Nick shows up yes. and he's awesome. Please, let's, let's talk about Nearly Headless Nick. He's great. He's just so good. I love all of his motivations. I love, I lo- see, and this is, I love how he's like, oh, I don't get to go to the headless hunt because I'm nearly headless. I love that. I love that, like, her weird way of taking stuff that's really ghastly and morbid and death, like, you know, just, just horrible, like, death content and then being like, and and basically like putting clown makeup on it. Sure, it's really weird and and <laughs> silly and bizarre. Um, and I think the thing that bothers me about it, I love it. But yeah. one of the things that bothers me about it is you're in this school where people die, right? And horrible stuff happens. Like, and and the tone flips from being super fun ghost party to someone is trying to murder people based on their like their heritage, right? <laughs> <laughs> And that's that's a real heavy subject that's real. <laughs> and then you have these ghosts hanging around doing silly shit. And, and the thing that bothers me about it is that I just try to put myself in the position of someone who would live in this world. And I think, why would I why would I have any sort of fear of death if I know that there's ghosts hanging around having a great time for eternity? Mm-hmm. Like, why would I be scared of it? I'm like, oh, just gonna become, become a fucking ghost and hang out at Hogwarts. Right, all the time. which is not addressed till the end of the fifth book, I think. Sure, but it's it. At this point, I'm just like, why? Why sure. should I be afraid of anything? So Harry's going to become a ghost and have ghost adventures of Harry Potter. Fine. Right. I, what? Who cares? I read those. Yeah. Why not? Right. Um, it's. I feel like it's missing right now, and it, it. I can feel that it's missing, and that bothers me. Okay. I had a quick question. Didn't Harry go to Filch's office in another in the last book? There's a moment in the podcast where we talk about one of the professors having torture equipment in their office. Now, was that Quirrell or was that Filch? It was Filch. I think maybe the Weasleys referenced it. Or they were saying he's got a pair of manacles he's always talking about wanting to hang kids from. I don't remember. Or he's mentioned it. He's just like, I've got him, headmaster. Let me go get him. I thought someone was in there and saw them. That's my memory. But But even, I don't think it was, I don't think we were there with them. All right. Maybe. But I could be wrong. I don't. I, I. It's a question I had hoped you would remember, but I don't. Uh, I don't. I didn't look it up. Um, we see his quick spell course. Yeah, Find that's out he's sad. A squib. That's not in this chapter, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. sad. So that's how Harry gets away with no punishment at all. <laughs> but what distracts Filch was the yes. smashing of a cabinet. What kind? Black one. A vanishing cabinet with gold. Well, I don't care about the gold. It's it's the Peeps one that's dropped it. later repaired, and it's the because headless twin Nick, of the one in nearly headless and Nick Burke. tried to convince him, told him he should do it. And it's, it's it's the secret way into the school. But it's not the one. No, it's the other one. So I feel like can, you're not picking so up they, what I'm putting they down. They can't get in again. What? They can't. Do you're, it. you're doing this on purpose. They can't get in <laughs> to a secret way. This podcast is over. <laughs> I. Okay, you have to remember, you've read this seven times. <laughs> I remember don't, in the last I do remember the episode, first, in the first episode. The first episode. Harry hides in, a, hides in a, a cabinet. cabinet. Yes, and I remember you saying, this is, yeah. this is coming up later, right? So the one they smash, that's the other portal? Yes. But then then it gets repaired? Yes. Okay, well, all right. Just, just, just 
putting a keyframe here, just like, boop, yeah, this, is, a key this is where it is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't need this. <laughs> I have a note here that just says, I'm, I'm struck by how dangerous and terrifying Hogwarts is, and at the same time, I want to go there and have the feasts and the ghost parties. Harry is so ungrateful. <laughs> Because I think he's like, he's like, oh, I don't want to go to the ghost party. <laughs> Idiot. It's a ghost party. <laughs> go to the ghost party, man. Who are you fooling? It's a ghost party. Like when, I guess when you live in the magic world and you can go to ghost parties willy nilly, <laughs> you can just drop an invitation to one and oh. forget about it. To your point though, he's never even heard of a ghost party. He doesn't know it's a thing. And I just don't understand. not interested. All the excitement and whimsy he has of getting to the Weasley's house mm-hmm. and being like, this is the best house ever. Why isn't that here now? All the time in the first book, he's gaping throughout the entire movie about how great everything is. Suddenly, book two, he's like, oh, ghost parties, passe. <laughs> like, I'd rather go eat some endless food. Just still a terrible character. <laughs> still sucks. <laughs> we are halfway through the second book of his name. The titular character is a dick. <laughs> The Headless Hunt shows up. It's your properly decapitated Podmore. Yeah, and I, I like. I, I I felt like this one was not. Uh, this version of Nearly Headless Nick's not really the same as the movie. No. Uh, where in the movie he is sort of silly and sort of fun, but in this he's like pathetic, mm-hmm. and I like that. I think that's. I think that's a really funny thing. I, I think it's funny. I really think I want to give her props. Like, hey, that's funny. <laughs> the whole thing's funny. So we get the ghost and the rotten food. Mo- Moaning Myrtle. We meet Moaning Myrtle. Yeah, we meet Moaning Myrtle at the party, but uh, she is sort of not really doing anything. Like, she's she's funny. Again, like, uh, th- see, the thing about that scene is that I don't care about Moaning Myrtle. This is the scene that flips me on Pete. I was wondering. I was wondering. <laughs> I was Because I, I was reading it, and I'm like, this is pretty entertaining. Yeah. And he's just playing both sides. Yeah. This and this is uh, it, it was the moment specifically where he's egging Myrtle on and 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 digging at Hermione and then moaning Myrtle starts listing all the things that that she's been called and he just I I just I could see it like he pops in out of frame and pimply and pimply <laughs> right in her ear I love that I forgot see, pimply yeah yeah I uh, one of the things about this chapter and those characters specifically is that. I am I am learning to like Peeves more because of this scene, but it's funny we we mentioned in the first uh, season and the I think last episode about how it's difficult to divorce readings of the characters from the actors who play them in the films. Mm-hmm. So like I'll always read Snape as Alan Rickman, and I mean Harry Potter as Daniel Radcliffe, etc. You know it's it's hard for me not to do that. Sure. But like John Cleese as Nearly Headless Nick is he's out. No, it's solid. He's always, oh, okay. he's always nearly headless Nick. It's never going to not be that. But more specifically, I can't read Peeves without hearing Rick Mail. Even though you've never seen it. Even though I've never seen it, I don't need to because I've seen Rick Mail do anything else. <laughs> I've seen anything else he's done is just exactly the same wonderful, psychotic, like impish glee at the pain and torture other people are going through because of his <laughs> like his sinister actions i just sure. love it it's it's perfect and i i read i was reading this just like with him doing it and i was like it was like he did it he did it in real life it was oh. like he really did do it that's pretty cool yeah and and also that like it's also really poignant because he is dead <laughs> so like when's the best time to play a ghost when, when you are one. <laughs> I also want to, like, about Myrtle, again, the thing about, like, how awesome Nearly Headless... All the, the, the three ghosts are really cool, basically, is what I, what I get at, is that... This is Myrtle, Myrtle Peeves, Peeves, and, and Nearly okay. Headless Nick. Yeah. They're great. Nearly Headless Nick is hilarious, like, as a character. A guy who... Sad sack. Barely gets to... Doesn't fully get decapitated and can't... He can't live it down right. in death. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's such good irony. It's, she nailed it. Um, there's a, a poor sad girl who haunts a toilet. That's hilarious. Like, there's a, a ghost in the toilet. That's great. Like, it, I just love it. I love the idea of, like, it's it's not really a poop joke, but it kind of is. And, like, I, I love that she, she makes it so nobody who's alive actually wants to go to that bathroom. 
like people avoid it and she doesn't want them in there so it's like hers it's like like downscale haunting a house to haunting a restroom <laughs> it's brilliant it's just she did a great job um and then peeves i mean he's not it's not like the same sort of like super well written like twist on a trope like like Myrtle is or like uh, uh, such a great depiction of you know uh, dramatic irony as uh, nearly how this Nick is but like it's still great mm-hmm. the last real note I have on this chapter is that like like we were talking about earlier there's all this really scary shit the depictions or the writings of the murmurs of the basilisk mm-hmm. again like the worst of the cap is you turn to a silly ghost at least that's what sort of implied so why is it really that scary like it just seems interesting um so, but, but this, the, and this, so I didn't just have questions about how do you become a ghost, but that's in later books. Later books. Yeah. But right. I mean, I would also argue the black, the basilisk is not, I want to cause your death. It's, I want to cause your, you know, suffering. I want to eat you, rip you apart. That's, that's still going to be scary. Even if there's a ghost on the other end of it. Yeah. I don't want to go through that. I, it's just, and just really terrifying imagery for what but, I would think is, you know, a younger kid. I guess I'm just saying I wish that she explained the ghost now. Because we have, they're here, they're present, they're comedy gold. But but how am I, or how is Harry not asking questions like, why aren't my parents ghosts? Right. Like, that, I agree. It's a big crux of the plot. Is it that, doesn't come up till a lot later in a very similar situation. Right. That makes him ask that question. You're like, you spent the last book pining for your parents. It's all you saw in the mirror. Why aren't you asking that? There's ghosts everywhere. You, each house has their own ghost. You should be asking this question. There's just so many questions that make it seem like he he isn't asking. Like we talked about last episode, why is he assuming he has to go continue living with the Dursleys? Like, right. There's just a lot of questions that so far he isn't asking, and instead of asking them, he's being mean to a kid with a camera. He's like, he's just being really angsty about playing Quidditch and like all this other stuff, and it's... It's all part of the flavor of the world, but it's not part of what I would imagine a, a, a rational, upset, angsty teen would actually be going through. With considering his real problems, sure, he's not he's not addressing them like that. That that isn't happening yet. So I'm just sort of disappointed by that because I, I mean we have one more chapter to go through and he hasn't done that. So who knows when he will? That's a good point. Did you have anything else on this chapter? I mean, there's stuff that stuff happens. Like the 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 ghost party's cool. I love the the food in the ghost party. <laughs> like, I kind of do, but also again, like it doesn't make sense. Like these ghosts know they can't eat. <laughs> like, I like they can almost taste it. But why would you almost want to taste rotten food? Why not just get better food? Like, I don't. Just because it's so pungent, it it makes the flavor. No, you're not buying that. No, because I've seen Casper, <laughs> and I know that the ghosts in the, that movie eat a lot of good looking fine f- solid food and it just goes right through them and they don't actually eat it but that doesn't stop them they're not going to go after rotten food mm-hmm. they go after real food and the rules of ghosts in fiction are always the same <laughs> across the board 100% every fiction with ghosts follows the same rules <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to cite Slimer versus the room service cart yeah exactly Slimer famously loves hot dogs <laughs> I'm just saying all of the precedent indicates that ghosts love food. Okay. <laughs> Poltergeist with the with the with the steak that like rots on the middle of the like it's been so long since I've seen of the countertop. I mean it's we can get in an argument about whether or not ghosts and poltergeists are the same. I mean, we could. Do you want to do that? I feel like I'm setting you up to be uh, like to have a side, what? and I don't really want that. I don't. I don't know what side you would take. I, I guess I sort of presumed. Was I right? Was I right that you would argue Poltergeist? Or I mean, were I pedantic? Uh, but I'm not. They <laughs> can't see your not face. Not today. <laughs> uh, there's a school of thought that suggests Peeves is. He is a poltergeist. He's a, he, he's a poltergeist. No, there's a school of thought that says he is a <clears throat> manifestation of all the adolescent angst and energy. So he's not actually a ghost? He's not a proper ghost? No, he's a poltergeist. Okay, so what is a poltergeist in that definition then? It's a spirit of mischief and malevolence, but like... Not from an indi- a, a, correct. one solid individual. Not a like person. Not Nick a, not is a... specifically Nick. Right. M- Myrtle is specifically He's, a, he's an ex-soul, if you will. He has a personality that once existed corporeally, whereas a poltergeist man just coalesces. Right, it's of... like a coalescence, a, co- a coalescence of 
Like uh, when the Ghostbusters put their suits behind the containment center and, and all the excess ectoplasm, ectoplasmic energy made ghost Ghostbusters. I didn't know that, no, but that makes in, sense. It was, it was in the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, that sounds real. Um, <laughs> For example. Yeah, no, sure. It's a very good <laughs> reference. Um, <laughs> see, I was thinking about when the Ghostbusters had an ape. It's, uh, it's wrong Ghostbusters. Well... There's no Larry Storch in this podcast. I've never seen I've never seen it. <laughs> ghost talking car bullshit. It works for Herbie. Was Herbie a ghost? No, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we're off. Um the uh, Yeah, okay, so a poltergeist is like a collection of some sort of spiritual energy. Yeah. Like that that's becomes like the Yeah, okay, so like so kind of okay. I, I can I think I understand how that works now. Um, why does that get a name though? Like that seems weird to give it a name. Well, I think because it gains sentience and it gains a self awareness, and people are going to start referring to it and just refer. To, he's he's really peeved me off. Oh, that what is it? Was it was it a ghost in the classroom that hit you? No, it was that peeves again and just sure the transitive property of. I just can't think of another poltergeist that gets a name in any fiction. Well, the movie Poltergeist. They didn't get a name. Larry. They call it Larry? No. I forget that. I didn't think so. They're it's, here. It's Lawrence. No, it isn't. They didn't give it a name at all, did they? Chuck. You bastard. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen it in forever. I can't remember if it's a steak or not, but it's called Larry. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> and then I think the only other note I've got is uh, we have our first official dating of the book. It's Nick's 500th death day party. His cake says he died in 1492. That would make it 1992. Wow. And this book was published in 1998? I believe so. In England? Hmm. Yeah. There is... Uh, 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 this goes to your questions thing here, and Harry connecting, which is the way people's minds work. So right. There's nothing about how it's also his parents' death day. Oh. Which, which should, I mean, it was Halloween, wasn't it? Was it? The whole thing happened. I don't happened? remember. Like it's, I don't remember this mythology very well. I believe. I believe, I believe so. I believe so. I think you're right because I'm fairly certain I remember the flashbacks in the movie. There's always like some sort of Halloween decorations in his crib room. Maybe, maybe. I, I feel a, like Hagrid might have even mentioned it. Um. Oh, I, I might also be thinking of Fallout. <laughs> I think. I think there's a bunch of Halloween decorations in Fallout too. Sure, sure, sure. There's there's, there's Halloween decorations in a lot of media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lady in White. It's a great movie. Lucas Haas. Halloween dec- decorations in that. Yeah, I don't have any others. Sounds like that's it. Sounds like we've <laughs> finished off all the, the Stranger Things. Of- Got some Halloween. It's Christmas. Not the second one. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. First yeah. one's Halloween though. Yeah. Halloween. Christmas. There's a lot of Halloween in Halloween. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Uh, uh, but yeah, it just seems like he would be like, hey, yeah, it's, it's my parents' death day party too. Why aren't they ghosts? It seems like just a yeah, natural like, progression. Come back to the point where we've already covered it. Yeah, but I, I agree. It's just, it's, yeah, it's a good point. It just seems weird. He just seems so... Ab- Here's the thing. He seems absently traumatized, like, or absent-mindedly traumatized. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's traumatized when he wants to be, or, like... But there's all these moments when it's like, shouldn't this be triggering you? Shouldn't this be calling you back to the big, defining moments of your life? And it's not? Mm-hmm. Weird. Like, I get that would make a boring and morose book. Sure. But isn't it already? <laughs> Slam. On <laughs> <laughs> or out. You've been served, JK. Yeah. It's crying to your way more money than I'll ever see. <laughs> um, That's it. That's all I've got yeah, for all right. Bloods and Murmurs. Well, chapter nine, then, is the writing on the wall. Um, why Why do wizards walk anywhere? We can't apparate within the grounds. Is that what you mean? Adults can't? Mm-mm. Why? Because of the... The magical no apparatingness. I can't recall any moments when anyone does apparate, but that just seems weird. It's just so many weird rules. I feel like it's a student protection thing. 
so nobody could come <laughs> in and okay. grab a kid and apparate away or I guess that makes sense but like I want to read it I want, I want to guess I want to see that like explanation um, and we might later in this chapter or is it or is it the next book where there's a lot of security measures in place where they talk about it because we've only just been introduced to the concept of apparition yeah um, I don't know Maybe. But why do they walk anywhere? Well, I mean, I mean, it, I'm thinking specifically, like, why would why would anyone walk the halls of Hogwarts if they could apparate? And if you're saying they can't op- apparate in the walls of or in the halls of Hogwarts, then that answers the question. Just I'm well, because yeah, you can fuck up apparition. Oh, you can. Oh yeah. Hmm. That's why kids don't take the test until they're 17. Nice. No. Oh. I think that happens in the movie. Really hope I get to see a fucked up apparition. I think you saw one in the movies. I don't remember it. Well, I can't help you there. Is it like The Fly? Not so bad. I haven't seen The Fly either. <laughs> Which one haven't you seen? Yeah, all of it. Really? Okay. I, <laughs> I know enough to reference it. It's a good, it's a good reference. Good job. Uh, see, this is where we find out that Filters a Squib is in this chapter. Yes, the word squib is in this right, chapter. Right, right. Um, and we find out what that is. Yeah. Why makes, that's a thing. Makes me feel bad for him. Makes me want to tossle his hair. Like, poor little guy. <laughs> poor little guy. He's a tough, tough life. Just, someone should pat him. Give him a new kitty. No. All right. No. Um, a lot of Jenny cutaways. Jenny's disturbed. Jenny's upset. Is it suspicious at this point for the school to suddenly have a surplus of mandrakes just as soon as people start getting petrified. I could argue that it's just a second year thing in Greenhouse 3 that all second years get to practice with because it's the first dangerous plant that they really get to work with and it just happens to be that could have always had that supply. Yeah. Yeah. You could argue that. Could argue that. Feels. Am I going to? Mm, probably not. Feels suspicious. It's it's at least a little more subtle than in the movie. Okay. Where Hermione says, you know, in the class that Mandrakes are used to turn anyone who's been petrified. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. Just call it restorative. That was, yeah. you know, the inverse of the mud blood. Right. It's embarrassing. Fucking Chris Columbus. <laughs> I really enjoyed the teacher infighting. Yeah. That was really, well, first they're trying to, oh, Potter should be quit, kept from Quidditch. And then McGonagall's like, come on, this was stupid, stupid. And then, you know, the Lockhart, oh, I can make up the potion. And then Snape just fucking died. I'm the potions master here. And you're just like, wow, these guys are people. Yeah. That was, that yeah. was, that was a really fun little bit of writing. Um, I There's a part here I've wrote, written down, page 146. Uh, Ron lies to his sister about when he's comforting her. He says where stuff like this doesn't happen at Hogwarts. Bullshit. <laughs> stuff, only stuff like this happens at Hogwarts. When was the last time Hogwarts had a year where something like this didn't happen? That's a really good point. Like, and why would she, I don't know, again, like, why would she believe him? Like, why would she, she, she would know. Like, why wouldn't she know? She knows what happened last year. Mm-hmm. Like, even when she wasn't there. Just felt weird because, again, it felt like, who is who is supposed to read this and think that he like? Are you supposed to think he's telling the truth, or is this a moment where you're supposed to chuckle and be like, "Oh, Ron, you know that's not true." Or is it for in retrospect where it's just inadvertently making her feel worse because if things don't happen like this at Hogwarts, she's the reason for it, and that's why she she's gives him that look, there. like because at the end of that that uh, paragraph, she gives him a look that's just like Petra, right? Like things don't happen like this. Clearly, you've brought this to the school. Thanks right, a lot. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the humor with the macabre, mm-hmm. I, I laughed out loud in the scene where Moaning Myrtle tries to kill herself only to realize that she's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best suicide jokes ever. <laughs> and it's forgot. in a Harry Potter book. <laughs> I forgot about that. I think I missed that in the reread too. It's, she's so sad. <laughs> she's She's sad in life. She's trapped being sad in death, except in death you can't even escape by killing yourself. Right. I love that. You can't be birthed out of death to save yourself from the agony of, of ghosthood. I love it. It's it's so, it's great. Um, speaking of ghosts, we have a return to Professor Benz. Who's who that? Is, why would you do this to me? 
I don't remember who he is. Explain He's literally is. a big part of the writing on the wall chapter. <laughs> He's the the the, profe- the history teacher. Oh yeah, the the ghost professor. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> who is that? What? <laughs> Do we read different books? <laughs> what podcast is this? No, I just I didn't remember his name. I okay. remember Ghost Professor. Um, yeah. Speaking of because I don't think he's in the movie. Away. I think no, he's not in the movie at all. Character no, gets all those, yeah, McGonagall gets all those lines. Right. So I just it's a um, but during that chapter, they once again referred and and I think it was Ben's referred to Muggles as commoners, and that mm. was interesting. That's just he's old school man. He's an old ghost. Another ghost though, like. I, I thought, is there a limit to how many ghosts can be at Hogwarts? No. No. A lot of ghosts. A lot of ghosts. I mean, it's that fun haunted mansion. Sure, but like, of... here's another problem. Is he taking jobs from living wizards? You said that last time. I said it last time? Yeah. From last a different, time. about a different <laughs> character or the no, same this, character? This character. Yeah, he is though. <laughs> it's that real. <laughs> like, if, if okay, if... Wait. If Snape's going to be as protective about being the potions master as he is, then why is no one throwing a fit about the history teacher being a ghost? Are they paying him? I, I probably not. I would I would think Hogwarts is saving some money, and that's why they're. Is this kind of slavery? I think he doesn't care, but I think he's certainly taking jobs. But why wouldn't you stock every classroom with a ghost? Ghosts are essentially magical robots, okay? Like, they don't eat, they don't sleep, they don't need... Well, they do sleep, but they don't need those things. Sure. So, like, why wouldn't you just... They don't even need to eat. Like, your your overhead would go down <laughs> so dramatically if you just, like, made the school entirely staffed by uh, ghosts. So, like, why aren't they doing it? Again, there's just so many problems. <laughs> there's so much logic is there are, is there a teachers union? Do they get to go? Do they get to get together and fight for their rights, like for for like benefits and and like tenure? I don't know. I don't either. And I want to. <laughs> I want to know. Well, J.K. Rowling's not going to have to enter. Yeah, well, she'll talk about fucking chamber pots, but she won't talk about like the economy of ghosts. That's ridiculous. That's very ridiculous. Okay, another just hit on Mo- Moaning Myrtle again. She, okay, it's just such. She's so funny. She she's a ghost that dives into toilets. Mm-hmm. This is a poop joke. It's great. That's so gross. I love it. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what my last. No, it is. I can't read my handwriting. It looks like it says pizza. If in a month or so. No idea. Um, well, we at the very last couple of pages we do get a mention of Polyjuice Potion and how they're going to they're going to make good some Polyjuice Potion. Because um, I thought it was uh, that's exactly what it was. It was the uh, foreshadowing. Yeah. Because he's like, if you'd like to tell us in a month or so, right? And it takes a month to brew Polyjuice Potion. It just seemed deftly worded. Well. This is what I took out of that is why is Ron such a bad student? Like, if you live in a world where you go to school and sure. part of what they teach you is how to brew potion that lets you look like anybody else for a period of time, yep. I'd be the best at that. <laughs> I would be so good at that <laughs> that they would be like they would be probably concerned. And then rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would think um, There's just so much incentive for mischief sure. in this world that is that a character like Ron should be capitalizing on, and he's not. I I, I feel it's just a comment on you know they're they're used to this growing up, and you don't appreciate the good things you have. I yeah I guess, but like his brothers, like are constantly getting into mischief and stuff like that. And well, because they appreciate what they've got. But they're also not great students. <laughs> like I. I I feel like like in potions because of the stuff they turn out later. Yeah, they're probably they're, pretty good in potions. You never hear about it though. I want to see. I want to see in the Weasleys' house. They have an ice box that has the, you know, the twins' potion making grades, you know, taped to it or with a magnet or whatever. I want to see that. I want to see recognition from the school. Because don't they don't they get expelled? They leave early. 
Yeah, they do. We'll say. It's more of a you can't fire me, I quit situation. Yeah. Yeah. And then later one of them leaves earlier than the other. Yeah, he does. That was Death Readers. Season two, episode three. can't think of any funerary rights um yeah uh i'm psyched for polyjuice potion like we'll see it's gonna we'll take see where it goes to get to it, though, i think we're it takes forever to brew yeah um so at the end of this chapter or the, these chapters though we get uh we didn't really talk about like again what happens in the chapters like we get this whole mystery of the uh, the chamber of secrets gets talked about we get to we have to think about you know what that is it's this mysterious uh you know room that uh slytherin what's his first name salazar salazar slytherin creates out of spite i guess for the other wizards in hogwarts that's a good point he seems to take a real quick left turn if they're all friends yeah f- close enough to found a school together and then not just you know i think we should only take pure bloods but i want to come up with the secret chamber with a monster that will eat Anybody I don't deem worthy, that's a that's a hard left. Yeah, I agree. I mean it would I kinda of wanna know that character development. How to how to what what's his journey? Yeah, why is it we get the prequels of Fantastic Beasts instead of The Founding of Hogwarts. Yeah. I mean obviously it's because of Grindelwald and the Sure. Those the Deathly Hallows, but like I'd much rather read about the founding of Hogwarts and what that looked like and, like, like what were those guys up against? Right. Like, what kind of horrible evils had yet to be tamed as we have now? How hard was it? Because clearly they weren't the besties of best friends. They were... Right. For disparate... Like, wayward thinking Like, what was, what's the event where you get these four great, powerful wizards together? What do they have to overcome for the sake of humanity, for the sake of wizard kind? And what do they what did they like banish together in such a harrowing experience that they decide collectively we need to forge ahead the, for the future of young wizards and create a school where we teach the coming generations how to be better because there's darkness out there there's danger out there that they're going to need to protect the world from. I mean, and, it could it could easily be the rise of Catholicism or Christianity burning witches. Mm-hmm. It could be. We got it. Shit, we got to do something about this. That could be the whole... If you thought people weren't going to buy the books before. (laughs) Just wait till she starts villainizing Catholicism. It's not that far of a reach. Salazar Slytherin and the Crusades. I would read that book. (laughs) I'd so read that book. Would you read it if it was slash fiction? Salazar Slytherin and the First Crusade. Slash slash fiction. Yeah. Oh, Popeyes. <laughs> oh, lol. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to read those stories, too. Like, I think that that would be so much more interesting. Like, I, I know everybody is bummed out about George R. R. Martin not getting out his books fast enough. because Not everybody. Know, well, Sorry. Not everybody. <laughs> Do you mean to just start over? No. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's bumming George R. R. Martin. Not everybody. But, like, the readers, the readers of his books are bummed. That I've he read had, some of his books. I'm not bummed. The people who, okay, at. the people who are anticipating his book oh, okay, are sure. bummed that it's not out sure. yet. Sure, I thought it was about me. But in the interim, he has put out, like, books that are, like, the history, like, the, the old history of this world. Where's that book? Yeah, If it exists, I'm sure it does. There's been so much Harry Potter material created. There's a lot on Pottermore, although she had once promised to do <laughs> an encyclopedia of the Potter world, which I think Pottermore was started in lieu of. I would have had the, rather have the book. If people paid me to write goofy wizard fiction, I'll be writing as much as I... I'd be flooding the market. <laughs> there, there'd be no mystery novels. There'd be like... It would be just... And then... <laughs> and then Hufflepuff said this. <laughs> and then... And then... <laughs> It would just be that. It would just be pages and pages of and then. It would sell like hotcakes. You just want that wizarding money. I would just build another wizarding world of Harry Potter on my property. 
can she could she live there? Do you think she, they? they I, I would I would definitely advocate for a secret room where I heard or like a secret suite, yeah. oh. a chamber of secrets. Oh. oh my God! What if that's already happened? <gasps> like seriously, could you? Would you put it past someone who's that rich and has that much influence on the I property? I wouldn't. Like, just shove it in your contract. Like, I want a straight-up house built on the premises that fully functions for me that I have a private key to, or, like, I have some sort of private access to. No one goes in there, not even to clean it. Right. It's just for me. I'm the heir of Slytherin. <laughs> oh. she, and she says that, like, loudly. And then, like, they build it, and then she just goes to the park. Because they have that. In Disneyland, right. there's some places like that where you oh, can, yeah. like, stay. Like, the the family has, like, houses and apartments around the park that they can yeah, stay Walt, whenever they Walt want. Yeah, Walt totally had a secret apartment. Right. In Disneyland. Yeah. Above the fire station. I think there's some in the castle. And, and there's, there's rooms in the castle. Right. There's a basketball court in the Matterhorn. Yeah. All that stuff. It's like, fuck Yeah. Maybe this exists and we're just stupid because we haven't looked it up because we're just riffing on this. I, but I like, feel like there's a lot of space in that Hogwarts castle model that could easily house a secret chamber. Oh, that'd be so cool. Jealous. Right? Yeah. I don't know, man. I think that's pretty much it for me on these chapters. I, I you know, we, but, well, okay, we do get the... The Basilisk is whispering to Harry. That's been progressing. We get the whole... Uh, petrification of uh, Mrs. Norris. Jenny's upset. We have all the water on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like there, I will give her credit. There's fun, whimsical mystery happening. Sure, it, and her clues are are really well worked in. They are. It's just it seems like there could be some exploration of other ideas that omitting is a little lazy. Yeah, because because, or, or, because omitting them. Uh, Furthers the mystery. Yeah, or or at least it over. It's an oversight, even if it's not like. Well, some of the questions, though, were they asked? I feel like the mystery would be revealed sooner. Sure, maybe, but not questions like why can't Harry have ghost parents? Sure, questions like that would are not necessarily related to the mystery of the of the plot, but sure. like reasonable, rational questions that you could have. I feel like the I. I I feel like I have some issues with the physics of petrification. The whole like it works, it it does it halfway works through reflection. Uh, who kills Medusa? Perseus. Perseus. He's fine. Didn't he use like a reflective well, surface? Well, because her direct stare petrified. The basilisk's direct stare kills. Oh. So it's a super. But he also was just clearly if a basilisk makes sweet love to a woman, they would have a Medusa baby who would only have a half stare, which would petrify you. But. That's where her, Medusa's come from. But Medusa's mirrored stare... Yeah. Does nothing. It petrified her. Didn't it? Or no, he cut her head off. He cut her head off to use it to petrify, petrify other people. Kraken. Yeah, that's right. Um, is it... Am I remembering then uh, Clash of the Titans? That's what I'm remembering. Wh- which one am I remembering then? Is it Jason and the Argonauts? The one where he uses a mirror... Like, he uses a mirror to make her see herself and she petrifies herself. I have no idea what that is. Mm. Because he's famous for using the back of his shield right. to, to see where she is and cut right. her head off right. without looking. Well, maybe I'm making that up. Don't steal my idea. Uh, okay. Yeah, real risk. Petrifies herself in the mirror. That was me stealing your idea. I know what okay. it was. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's fine. I feel like, you know, but, but later we'll have more issues with the petrification where yes, things happen. It's like, why, how is this, whatever. Well, it's, so you can keep it a kid's book because nobody dies. People die, though. People died in the past. Nobody dies in this book. It's okay if they're already dead because they're just ghosts. What happened to Quirrell? In fact, anybody re- directly referenced in this book has become a ghost, so it's okay. The, this book is like so... What, dead, what, what happened to Quirrell? Oh, he died. Right, what happened? That was the last book. Yeah. I'm talking about this book. What what happened there in that scene? Because I don't remember it. No, they don't say. Uh, the the one line in that book was... Doesn't Harry just pass out? Harry passes out and Dumbledore says, Voldemort left him to die. Left Quirrell to die left or left Quirrell Harry... to die. Did Quirrell die? That's the only line we get until a line later where they talk about how Professor Quirrell had died. 
Okay. We don't know if he passed out and later died in a hospital. Right, right. But he did if die. He did crumble like he did in the movie. We don't know. It's okay. really left open. Well, okay. So at least in these two books, a character has died because of the actions that happen in the stories. Yes. In. Okay. Okay. I forget what point we we're making. Okay. <laughs> Death. Oh, but basilisks, 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 not actually killing. But he's talking about eating them. Like, the the threat that he's threatening and the thing he can actually do or it actually does, or he, it, um, seems like it doesn't, it doesn't match, but whatever. Is it, what is it eating down there? Do they address that? I feel like it's in some sort of suspended hibernation. It mentions being very hungry. Well, yeah, I mean, it's been a thousand years. A thousand years? Well, Salazar Slytherin created the chamber. Oh, that's right. So I guess it's only been 50 years. Since it was last opened. Since it was last opened. But even then, the Basilisk, I don't think it ate anybody. It just stared and moved on, right? No. Because only one person died last time. We don't know that yet. Yes, we don't know why Hagrid gets kicked out. Right. Okay. But I don't... It, it does seem incongruous. The, the basilisk wants to eat, it never does. Right. Or if it does, we don't know what it's eating. Why would it petrify and then move on? Why right. wouldn't it be like, oh, my food's frozen, I can eat it. Right. Exactly. Looking at you, Connor. Or Colin. Colin. And Justin. Hermione. Hermione. Jinx. Penelope. Nearly have his neck. Yeah. See, he's a ghost. You can't eat him. Can't eat him. It's like a... Mrs. Norris, like, like, yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. What the hell does a basilisk eat? Poop. Like it's living in the sewers, so I'm guessing it would eat poop. There's a lot of animal bones down there. We find out later. Oh, so it's bringing something in. So it's not hungry. I don't know. It doesn't hold up. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) The hell does a basilisk eat? It doesn't even eat Ginny. You know what it eats? It eats sword. Too soon. It hasn't happened yet. It's incredibly too soon. <laughs> That's a good point. It's basically too soon is a kind of a way of saying like spoilers. Yeah. 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 Okay. You I got think anything I, else? I think, I think we're done. All right. Um, well, that was episode three, three of season two of Death Readers. Um, remember to uh, follow us on Twitter at, at the Real, Real Death, Death Reader. Reader. Uh, we are also on uh, Gmail at deathreaders at Gmail. Uh, we have a Patreon if you would like to help us pay to host this thing. <laughs> that would be super. It'd be super great if you could help us. Contr- if you could contribute to the w- real minuscule costs of this endeavor, but it's it would be greatly appreciated. We're thinking about getting a commentary track for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone up on Patreon. Yep, and offering that uh, for. A, a small very nominal very nominal fee uh you won't even notice (laughs) (laughs) really we're doing you a favor yeah really i mean like you know you owe it to us (laughs) um no yeah we we would appreciate it it would be amazing and incredible and fantastic so if you can help us that'd be great um next time on death readers we'll have chapters 10 through 12 Mm. um and there will be Quidditch. Oh, great. Oh, well, where's where's Draco when I need him? <laughs> well, he'll, he'll be playing Quidditch. Yeah. Great. All right. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, well, that's, that's Death Readers. Uh, I'm Doug. I'm Rob. And thanks for listening. All right. All right. Welcome to Death Readers. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Just you wanted to... Yeah, I was going to do that. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> fucking lines. Um... It's season two, episode three. three. Okay. Welcome Welcome to to Death Readers. (laughs) I'll stop, I promise. (laughs) I know it's going to be on the end of the episode. No, it's not. (laughs) What? Did you just scold your phone as if it was your dog? Yes. Weird. My phone knows. This place. Phone knows. It should. It doesn't stink as bad as your dog. Fucking mud blood phone. Oh. Oh. Eat slugs. <laughs> um.
It's hot in here. It's a I'm sauna. wearing a hat. You should take the hat off. And a shirt. Yeah. And pants. Well, technically in England you'd be wearing trousers and hopefully pants, but I can only vouch for the trousers. What are pants then? Underwear. Get out. Nope, that's true. Yeah, they call yeah. they call their underwear pants. I was just explaining this to my dad. Your dad who's going to England. Yeah, because he was like, I've got my pack my pants and I was like, Dad, you gotta say trousers. If you tell someone in England that you soiled your pants, they're not gonna understand what you said because they're gonna think you shit yourself. Wouldn't Instead they think of like that if you soiled your trousers. No, you stepped in some mud, you could soil your trousers. Oh, that's true. But if you shit yourself, you'd say you soiled your pants.